morning. The last three weeks, we have been looking at who Jesus Christ is, his identity as Savior, Judge, Prophet, and this week, King. Who is Christ Jesus, the King? We're going to dive a little bit into this book to get a glimpse of who Jesus Christ is as King into this compilation of books, actually, written over a span of 1,500 years, over a time frame of 40 generations. The thoughts in these books are beautifully interconnected and inseparable. And so we'll kind of start in the Old Testament and move into the New. Uh, Isaiah 9, 6 says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. These are the four throne names, or the royal titles of the Messiah. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The title Counselor points to Jesus as King. Counselor was a title used in the Old Testament to refer to kings, to earthly kings, and it speaks of royalty. The Messiah is our King, not just any counselor, but the wonderful counselor. He came in peace, he came in gentleness, he came in humility, and he came to save. Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and endowed with salvation humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a coal, the foal of a donkey. This was a prophetic statement pointing to the Messiah who would come about 500 years after this announcement was made. And this takes us to John's account of how it happened, the Apostle John who lived with the Messiah, with Jesus. Here's what John says. On the next day, when the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, the people, they took the branches of the palm trees and went out to meet him. And they began shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, indeed, the King of Israel. Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, do not fear, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Here's how Paul the Apostle explained Christ's coming. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says, Of Jesus, King Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, the King, is God the Son, 
not in a literal sense, as we use the terms son and daughter to identify our own children, but in, in an idiomatic sense. Here are a couple of examples that help explain this phrase, son of God. In Acts 4.36, Barnabas is called the son of encouragement. The father of Barnabas obviously was not a man named encouragement, Rather, Barnabas had the nature of an encourager. And in Ephesians 5, 6, we, without the Lord, are referred to as the sons of disobedience. In other words, apart from our Savior, our nature is one of disobedience. It's our default. And thus we see that the term God the Son, or God's Son, as used in the Bible, means having the very nature of God. Hebrews 1.3 says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. But the identity of the Savior, of our Savior King, King Jesus, is even more complex. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, used another title when referring to himself. He called himself, or referred to himself, as the Son of Man. Not because he was the literal son of a man, but again, in an idiomatic sense. Jesus Christ took on the nature of his creation. He took on flesh and bone, as we have. He came to identify with his creation, with us. He is, in very nature, God. But he came to his creation and put on flesh, and bone. Christ's birth was a miracle. He was born of a virgin. And so he didn't inherit a sinful nature. Adam's bloodline was contaminated the moment Adam chose to turn from God and go his own way. A sinful nature would now be passed on through Adam's bloodline, and we're all his descendants, so each of us has been infected with sin, born that way, contaminated by a sinful nature. And that sinful nature, we can do nothing about on our own. Romans 5.12 says, sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin. And so death spread to all men, because all sinned. That's why Jesus Christ, our King, came. He came and felt what we feel. The burdens, the stress, the disease, the shame, the guilt that are so much a part of this broken world and our own broken selves. He bore the burden of our sin. He felt all its shame. He carried 100% of its guilt. And this is why we bend the knee and worship him at Christmas. Because as Lord of Lords, and king of all kings, he came to rescue. Philippians 2 says this, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And similarly, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, we read, Here is a trustworthy saying 
that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then it goes on to say, now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. The psalmist and the shepherd king of Israel, David, penned the following words about a thousand years before Christ the king came to earth. And though it's prophetic in nature, these words at the same time flow from David's anguished heart. Psalm 22 reads like this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted in you, and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. King Jesus knew David's pain. And he used David's words to capture his own anguished heart as he hung naked, broken, dying for us on a cruel Roman cross. Matthew records that day like this. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we'll believe him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. And as we continue reading David's words in Psalm 22, they continue to be a window into the agony, into David's agony, but also into the agony of King Jesus on the cross. David says this, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue stinks, sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat at, over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. This sounds very much like the words we find in Matthew. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. King Jesus knew his creation's pain. 
Listen to how the Apostle John describes both the royalty and the purpose-filled suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ, our King. I'll read excerpts of John chapter 1 from the Amplified Version, and these verses will not appear on the screen. In the beginning, before all time, was the Word, Christ. And the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. He was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally with God. All things were made and came into existence through him, and without him, not even one thing was made that has come into being. In him was life and the power to bestow life. And the life was the light of men. No one has seen God, his essence, his divine nature, at any time. The one and only begotten God, that is, the unique Son, who is in the intimate presence of the Father, he has explained him. The Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This Lamb of God is the King who will return once again in fearsome majesty and splendor to end oppression, to bring justice, to heal what sin has broken. Revelation 19 says this, and this is the Apostle John writing, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one, but he, no, that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty, God's wrath against everything that is evil and hurts his creation. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. With anticipation, we wait for that day. John continues to describe it in this way. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne 
said, I am making everything new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And Jesus said to me, and that's John saying this, Jesus said, it is done. I started it all. I am the Alpha and the Omega. And I will end it all, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And he goes on to say, in that day, no longer will there be any curse. I am the Alpha and the Omega, Jesus says, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. It's this king we worship at Christmas in reverence, in awe, with the deepest of respect. In him we rest, and it is his coming again that we anticipate.